This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, Browns fans, and welcome to OBR Weekly with Fred Greetham. This is the edition for... November 16th, 2022. This is your last shot at us until the end of November because Fred and I are going to be on vacation next week. And most of you are probably going to be traveling or looking forward to the Thanksgiving holiday. So we're not going to have a show next week. So this is a great opportunity to uh, get your last shot at us for a couple of weeks. And uh, we will rock and roll with whatever you put in the chat box. Um, it, it, uh, it was sort of a, a gray and miserable day here in, in Cleveland, wasn't it, Fred? Not, not super pleasant at all. No, it was cold, little wind. That was about all I could do for that 20 minutes of watching practice today. It was, uh, you know, it's always like this at the beginning of winter to me. Like when mm-hmm. it's 30 to or 36 or something like that, it feels like totally freezing. But then by late February, March, this weather feels kind of fine. You know, it's just, you know, you kind of get used to it a little bit by then. But right now, it's like I'm not getting used to it. You're muted. That's interesting. I don't know how I got muted. At any rate, uh I'm a Cleveland Browns fan. Uh, I run a Cleveland Browns site. We're about to play the Buffalo Bills. So I have an omnipresent feeling of doom about me right now. But we're going to talk a little bit about the weather in a bit. That might be a great equalizer. Um, Before we get into some of the things I've written down, uh, I'll let you know per usual uh, that this show exists to answer your questions. Please pop questions or comments into the chat box. Uh, If there are uh, questions we haven't talked about already, uh, I will pop them up on the screen. We'll discuss them. Uh, If they make me laugh, then uh, bonus points for you. And uh, we will just rock and roll the show like we always do. Fred, let's start off like we we generally do the show with uh, the excitement of the first injury list of the week. And uh, today's was actually pretty good. We had a couple of players who did not play due to injury. Uh, De'Anthony Bell with a concussion, Michael Dunn still with his back, and David Njoku with the ankle. Was it anything new on Njoku's ankle? You know, any hope that we're going to be able to see him this weekend? Yeah, I think so. I think that, you know, unless unless because of the weather, they don't want to risk him anymore. I mean, I thought he was ready. He thought he was ready before the bye for that Bengals game. Um I was a little surprised that he was still on the bike today, but um, the coach was asked specifically about JOK and Njoku. JOK did practice. In fact, he wasn't even limited. He was listed as a full participant. Um, Njoku was still on the side on the stationary bike, but he was asked about their chances of playing. He said he was hopeful both could play. So um, that's about the most you'll get out of Kevin Stefanski. Um, exactly. The tale will be, will he practice tomorrow, you know, or at least Friday? Usually if a guy doesn't practice coming off injury at all during the week, then he's not going to play. If you remember JOK practiced Friday last week, a lot of us thought he would play, but they held him out again. He was inactive. So no, I think they're about, and the other four guys were really, they listed as rest, um, you know, in, in uh, Clowney, Garrett, Batonio, and Cooper. So, yeah, D'Anthony Bell, concussion, who knows how long there. But really, Michael Dunn, a reserve. Najoku is pretty much it right now as far as right. not playing possibly this week is the way I see it. So um, that's probably as good as anything, you know, yep. then 
on the other hand, you got the Buffalo Bills. So here you go. <laughs> they exactly. had a rash at- of illnesses. I don't know what's going on if they got the flu up there or it's just, I mean, we don't have there, but if I I posted their injury report, they had like five guys out due to illness today. So something's going around Buffalo. Um, hopefully you'd rather see it Friday than Wednesday because it seems like mysteriously those guys get better in a day or two. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're young and healthy. They'll bounce back. Unfortunately for the Browns, we'll take anything we can get. We'll take two feet of snow. We'll take illness in the bills locker room, anything to sort of equal equalize the playing field because, uh, uh, it doesn't look good for the Browns, even though we are getting, uh, healthy, uh, as you noted, um, would I be blamed as a Cleveland Browns fan for saying, why the heck are Clowney and Garrett resting? They didn't get to the quarterback. They had plenty of rest last week. You know, Stefanski, I guess, runs the risk of looking like, uh, you know, in anything that he says or does right now is going to get on the Brown, bad side of Browns fans because we've lost most of our recent games, you know? And uh, is there any sign of intensity uh, from Stefanski or is he just his normal, you know, flatline self? Well, one thing I'll say for him, he's consistent win, lose or draw. Um, he doesn't change his tone. Um, he's six and 11. If you were to count the last 17 games, like the last full season, you know, everything that he did, you know, I have a theory on the COVID year, if anybody wants to care, it's that he's very organized, very meticulous. And I'm not saying other coaches aren't, but it almost seemed like in the COVID year when everybody was kind of limited, that he thrived in that situation with his organization and hasn't been so much the last two years. So, yeah. no, I think that, uh, you know, it, it plays okay when you're winning but it doesn't play well when you're losing. And, you know, as, as our guys, you know, they got unprecedented rushing defense of basically no defense that they're giving Mm -hmm. up unprecedented amounts of rushing yards and teams are just bludgeoning them up the middle and guys like you and me that aren't football coaches or personnel guys were saying, Hey, how about add some? And they never did. And, Right. It looks like it's haunting them for sure. Yeah, we'll talk about that here in a second. Uh, we'll talk about some of the things our guys discovered uh, over the last couple of days, um, which, uh, you know, sort of spread and gone kind of viral since then. But uh, let's talk a little bit about the weather. Uh, well, we already talked about the weather. Let's talk about Buffalo's weather. Uh, weather forecasters are saying as much as three or four or even up to six feet of snow will land in Buffalo this weekend, extending through kickoff. Uh, the NFL and the teams are monitoring the situation, as you would expect them to, uh, to say uh, at this point. Um, I got crucified on Facebook for even mentioning the possibility that the game could be moved or delayed uh, because, you know, everybody, everybody loves snow games and, you know, hard weather games. But uh, – do you think this one could get moved, Fred? Or and if they do move it, aren't they going to have to make that call really, really soon um, with the logistics and all? Well, first thing, if you read my story today, you would know that they cannot postpone it or move it later because the Bills play on Thanksgiving Day, right. I think against Detroit. So they play already four days after Sunday. So they cannot move it to Monday or or do some of that jostling around like they did, you know, with the COVID year. That said, I guess they could move to a neutral site. I think in 2014, the Bills moved and played a game in Detroit. I think that game Thursday is in Detroit. You'd hate to see them do that. Um, Because I think this would be an advantage for the Browns, no matter how Mm -hmm. bad the, the weather is, because, you look, I'm looking at this Buffalo offense, you know, they're scoring 27, 28 points a game. They're second overall in the NFL in scoring. And on defense, there's no slouch. They're second in the NFL in points given up, 16.8 a game. So they're winning by an average of 11 points a game. 
And if you could slow them down, I think that would give you a chance and it should help, you know, the Browns on the ground. Now they're coming off a terrible rushing game and the bills Mm -hmm. have a pretty good defense against the run, but you know, I think that would be their best chance. Get into a run versus run, you know, kind of a la the 2017 Phil Dawson eight to nothing right. win at home. So anything that could be in their favor, if you move to a dome and it's fast track, that doesn't help the Browns at all. I mean, Josh Allen will just light it up. So, um, yeah. Yeah, but I would think they'd have to make a quick call because – it sounds like the the storm, if it comes, it'd be more like Saturday, you know, right. most of them, you know, getting in there. So you wouldn't be able to get out unless you did this on like Friday. So, you know, that's tomorrow's Thursday. So I don't know. I mean, am I wrong to say this is what, you know, you talk about the frozen tundra and playing in the North and, you know, mm-hmm. we talked about, Browns getting a big quarterback that can play in the cold weather in the same way with Buffalo. It's one of the reasons they got Josh Allen. It's like, and and we're going to move the game to a dome or to a nice weather. Right. I mean, you know, as it is, the Browns played in 101 heat last Sunday and they could be playing in a blizzard this Sunday. So yeah. I'm just saying, yeah. I think plus how many times do you have the hype on the storm and then it fizzles out and you get like three inches. You know, yeah. I always like to hear them, at least around here, predict a major, major storm when you're, you know, that's what drives the weather ratings on the TV stations. And they're just, right. you know, they go on and on and on and on. And usually then it's like the least amount of snow. So I love when they hype it. This one, I kind of hope they get enough to, you know, slow down that Bill's offense. Well, um, you know, Paul Spencer, I think, represents a, a, a lot of, well, he himself personally, but at least it's his statement represents a lot of Browns fans where, you know, we love cold winter games. We love the adverse weather. Uh, it's part of our, our heritage here playing football. The tricky bit is if we're really talking about four to six feet worth of snow is whether Buffalo can dig out the parking lots, whether people can travel to the game, you know, whether, uh, whether it's safe to travel you know, all that sort of stuff. I don't think it's the players. I think it's the fans that uh, uh, are, uh, uh, are are the biggest concern for the NFL, at least should be. Uh, players, what they're getting paid, they can go out and play in minus 10 degrees and, you know, blowing snow as far as I'm concerned. And Paul points out that he's anti-dome. I am also anti-dome, Paul, another thing we have in common. Um so we are going to stay uh, close to the news feeds uh, and to the Twitter and all that sort of stuff that the kids love uh, to uh, try to figure out whether or not this game is postponed. If it is not postponed, but moved or anything like that. If it is, you'll hear it quickly at the OBR. Let's talk about uh, the uh, next item on the agenda. Uh, Deshaun Watson, obviously back at practice on uh, as of Monday. Uh, today's the first uh time, I guess, out on the field, or at least that you've had a chance to talk to the, the players in person. So he was a primary topic of conversation during the media's time today with the team. Uh, from what I can tell, everybody's saying the right thing. Oh, it won't be awkward having Brissett in there. We'll get Brissett as reps and we'll bring Watson along. We've got a plan or anything like that. Stefanski says they've got, quote unquote, kind of a plan to work Watson in while not disrupting Brissett's prep. Did he elaborate on that at all? Did he tell you guys at all what he meant by his plan? No. What do you <laughs> think he, he said? He said, I'm not getting into the specifics of this, but okay. we have a plan. They have a plan. You know, and somebody asked me what I saw. Let me re- say this again. We get 20 minutes to watch practice. About 10 of it is stretching. And then they go into individual drills where they're just kind of getting loose. Like the quarterbacks start out after they're just, you know, exercising, throwing, getting their arms loose. Then they throw to the running backs and receivers in a little gauntlet drill. And I've got video on my Twitter. I mean, of it. And actually, I think TMZ asked for permission that kind of went viral. 
Um, but as far as, um, so we didn't really see, I got, you know, of him throwing to the tight ends and, and doing that. He looked fine. He looks in shape. You know, you'd think he would be. So, but as far as game reps or anything like that, practice reps, I think it's a little bit overblown. Um, I think that he'll be running the scout team and, and kind of getting, and they probably would run some plays, you know, for him that he's going to have in the, in the regular season. I think more than anything, it's just the game shape and, you know, it's, it's hard to simulate that. You don't hit or anything like that. The biggest fear is when he gets out there, you know, in the cold weather and, you know, I guess first game will be in a dome or warmer weather, but right. you know, you don't want him to pull a hamstring like the first game or something like that and then be out for the rest of the year. But so with that said, it's, I'm not too concerned about it. They need to win these two games. So, they're going to do whatever they can to get Jacoby Brissett ready because, you know, I talked about Watson a lot, to be honest, because that was a topic. But to me, that's the hope is regardless what happens in these next two games, there is hope beyond that, even if there, there's no playoffs this year. And and I can go on a little rant on that like sometime. You know, somebody's <laughs> asking me about my sunglasses. But as far as – you know, yeah, today, I think that's what it's going to be. Kind of got it out of the way. We can't talk to him because he's still suspended. So I expect mm-hmm. the first time he'll talk to the media would be like two weeks from, well, Monday that week. Actually, if they have practice or not, you know, going into, he officially becomes reinstated on like, I think it's, the 29th or whatever that Monday is before the Texans game. So Mm -hmm. he's not going to speak or, or be in public view because he's still on the suspended list, but um, they might not even have him till Wednesday of that week because Monday is just a zoom day. We never go in there anyway. And I don't know if they'd have him available for his first interview. The significance is this is the first practice that he's been with the Cleveland Browns in the regular season because the last time it was training camp. So that's right. the historical event of today that he has now practiced during the season and he's back with the team in that capacity. Right. I just, I think it's good that the NFL has structured things this way because his first availability should be on the day of our next show. So we can talk Watson for a full hour uh, on the 30th of November when uh, probably the next time you guys hear from him. We have a couple of Watson questions. Let's just dig into those right now. Uh, chat username asked, uh, Fred, uh, out, I'm going to hold that question. I'm sorry. Um, he goes, uh, Fred, uh, Fumble13 asked, Fred, you said he was head and shoulders above the QBs you've seen. Is that just arm strength or also the respect he gets from teammates well i don't know how to gauge respect from the teammates other than um i did in talking to a lot of the players on the record off the record even after the trade was made not a one of them mentioned anything about the off field you know like they were concerned about that whether that's a good sign or bad sign i'm i was talking about athleticism just very smooth. And I mean, Baker Mayfield had a good arm. This guy's got a good arm, but he's, he's smooth and he, and he just can move away from pressure and, and make things happen with his legs. Um, That's what I was talking about. The athleticism kind of, I'm not comparing him to Lamar Jackson, but I'm saying he's like uh, that type of quarterback, but, but a much more accurate passer. Um, mm-hmm. He might not, he might not be as great a runner as a Jackson, but I don't think long-term you want your quarterback to be running that much, but he can run and he can make things happen as we've seen, you know, the Josh Allen's, the Justin Fields, you know, that you could, and even, um, you know, 
Nikola Jackson, Joe Burrow, these guys. Whereas I'm not saying Brissett, but Brissett, you know, you watch him, he's lumbering, you know, he picks his mm-hmm. spots. Right. Um, but, but uh, Watson has the athleticism, but he also has the arm strength, the accuracy, everything you want out of a quarterback. And it's going to be hard in the aspect of having not played in two years to not be rusty. But I think when he gets into his stride that you'll see a quarterback that you haven't seen, you know, here before. And I'll get it. I've not seen him play. Nobody's seen him in a game. You saw like one mm. series in the preseason. Right. So let him play his way in. I think it's a ramp up really for 2023. You hope for the best that they still have a chance by the time he plays. But I think it's unrealistic at this point to think that they're going to beat the Bills and beat the Buccaneers. If you if you could get one of those, you might have an outside chance, but, mm-hmm. but most statistics say you're down and pretty much done. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. Yeah, uh, we're good at keeping hope alive to the very last second here in Cleveland, but uh, uh, lose to the Bills and the Buccaneers. Uh, I uh, uh, I can't mathematically think of a way that we get in there. I think I know the answer to this question, uh, but uh, I'll pose it to you anyway. It's from Manimal1955. He asks if uh, Watson is going to be allowed to stand on the sidelines and so forth during games. No. He's suspended. So. He's suspended until – November 28th, that Monday after the 11th game or 12th week, it's the 11th game. So when they play that 11th game, then the next day he becomes off, comes off the suspended list. So when you're suspended, you can't travel with the team, can't do anything like that. He's permitted to practice with the team. That's it. Right, right. Well, <clears throat> that makes total sense to me. I uh, wouldn't expect the uh, NFL to do it any other way. Uh, Jacoby Brissett, obviously, has been an absolute professional uh, throughout this season. Um, I mean, his performance, I think, is as good or as better than most anyone could have expected uh, from him uh, this year. Uh, has he commented at all on this notion of, you know, the guy who's about to replace him coming in and, practicing and sharing snaps and all that. Has he said anything about it? I was asked about a few questions today. His press conference was very short today. Um, I mean, he's human. I think he is. I think he gets a little tired of asking, being asked about being replaced. Um, You know, he's got two more weeks and he knows, you know, you're kind of like a lame duck you know, quarterback, you know, knowing that I'm liking it kind of like an injury, you know, although injuries are always kind of a little bit indefinite, but in this mm-hmm. case, you know, it's definite that he's coming back and going to start after the next two games. So he knows it's limited. It's times um, there. He said, that's the coach's, you know, job to balance the, the practice. I'm not worried about it. And he just said, he kind of laughed. The last question was something about, is it going to be good to have Deshaun out there? He goes, I'll tell you after practice, you know, if, if it's not, I'm going to tell him to just stay home till the rest of the year or something <laughs> like that. So Stefanski said, 
that they're professionals and that they're friends and that will go a long way, you know, there. I mean, mm -hmm. Brissett knew what he was getting into when he signed here. It wasn't a foregone conclusion that Watson was going to be suspended for this long. Some thought all year, some thought maybe six weeks, four weeks, or maybe none at all. So oh, he knew, but he he's used this as an audition to try to get a job, if not with the Browns as a backup, but long-term with another team. So, right. no, I think that, you know, it is what it is. I think he's done a good job, you know, answering questions and so forth, but um, he'll probably only have one more session with us besides after the game, you know, next Wednesday. All right. Um, okay. Uh, thanks for your questions on Watson, everybody. Um, we have some open slots for questions coming up here in a, in a little bit. If you've got other things, feel free to hit us up. Uh, in the meantime, we're going to talk about run defense for a little bit here or lack of same. Um, our OBR analytics gurus, Cody Swick and Anthony Reinhardt, uh, today calculated a statistic called uh, EPA for run defenses uh, for over the last decade, right? Uh, I don't think they calculated it for all teams, but they know where to find this statistic, and they went out and did the comparison. What EPA is is called expected points added, Um uh, I'm just going to read here. It's a football statistic that attempts to measure the value of individual plays in terms of points. This is done by calculating the expected points of the down distance and field position situation at the start of a play and contrasting it with the situation at the end of the play. So a three-yard gain on first and 10 is different than a three-yard gain on third and two, right, which is reflected in the analytics and the statistics. Um, so it, it really is hopefully a good measure of how effective your run defense is. Um, and it turns out uh, that according to this statistic uh, against the run, uh, the Browns have the worst run defense of any team in the last decade, any NFL team in the last decade, not just the Browns, everybody. So, you know, if you believe in the analytics, if you believe in the statistic, this is not just a bad run defense. It may be the worst run defense in the entire NFL for the last several years. It's historically bad. It's something you can tell your grandkids about right after you're done explaining red, right 88 to them. I mean, this is something else, Fred, that, you know, we haven't seen before and we've seen a lot of bad football here in this town over the last 20 years. One of the things that Anthony said is that when you run against the ball, you run the ball against the Browns, you are as efficient as one of the top 10 passing offenses in the league, which is just mind blowing. So got some questions. <laughs> um, the, let me just ask a basic question, right? You take a look at um, the situation here. The, the numbers are what they are. The situation is what it is. We know it. Right. Um, scheme, personnel, coaching, all of the three. If you were to analyze this and try to figure out what was going on with the run defense, where would you start looking first? <laughs> you know, we've said it in the offseason, but I think the in, interior defensive line, you know, they nine of their 11 starters. The two they didn't bring back was the two Maliks. And, mm -hmm. you know, they weren't great, but they certainly weren't this bad last year. And I don't know if you can put it all on that. They didn't think they needed those guys because they weren't that great. Um, I think it's the linebackers. I mean, I think they overvalued the, you know, Jacob Phillips and undervalued Anthony Walker. And he ended up playing well, but then he got hurt and they didn't have anybody Phillips couldn't do it. He got hurt. You know, they, they value, value speed more than size. And it is kind of a, it seems like a, a choose your poison. Remember when the chiefs game, they had Malcolm Smith, they had slow linebackers. They couldn't run down. Was it Chad Henney or whoever ran 15 right. yards on a third and 15. And you're like, are you kidding me? So they went out and got the Jake, JOKs and but then you got undersized guys 
And so if you're going to have undersized guys, you know, you have to have uh, line, offensive line, eating defensive linemen that kind of chew them up so they can run free and make the tackle. And, and the guys they have playing seem to be getting blown off the ball. And by the time they're in this, you know, they get to the linebackers, they're already at full speed in the secondary and it's, and it's just ugly to watch, you know, and you look at statistics, Browns are 23rd in the NFL against the run. Now that's not good, but the numbers that these guys found would say that beyond 32 teams, they should be about 50th, you know, <laughs> right. but at least 32nd. So they're giving up 131 a game, you know, so you look at it and say, Oh, that's not that bad. It keeps going down, but I don't know. I mean, those statistics, you know, are, are very uh, earth shattering and you would think a team that's analytic driven, you know, kind of like, like uh, our guys pointed out, Cody and Anthony, that they would be aware of that and say, we got to change our thinking. But I, I just look at the surface and it seems to me that in the second half of that Falcons game that Arthur Smith said, you know what? I'm just going to run at these smaller defensive linemen and make them stop our run. If they don't stop us, we're just going to keep doing it. And he did it and he did it and he did it. And now teams are doing that. The chargers did it. They came in with a lousy rushing attack rush for 238 yards. The dolphins were ranked near the bottom in rushing. They rushed for 194 yards. So you know, you're going to have to adjust your philosophy because, yeah, you built your team to protect against the pass and teams are saying, well, then we're going to exploit you in the running game. So at this point in the year, I don't know what you can do. I really mm -hmm. don't. You're past the trade deadline. You got to go with what you got to go with. And so they're going to have to make shift something. Maybe in the offense, like when you see when tight ends get hurt and you put in an extra tackle at tight end and seven, eight blockers or something. Maybe you can, you know, get some beef, the beefiest guys you have and put them in there to try to stop the run. <laughs> yeah, it, it strikes me, you know, sort of looking back on this, uh, this offseason, that when it comes to run defense, you know, the up the middle defense, Andrew Berry took a number of risks, hoping that some of them would pay off, that Jordan Elliott would mature into what they thought he was, that Perry and Winfrey was going to be a steal in the fourth round of the draft when people had him mocked much higher, uh, uh, you know, all the way up to the second round of the draft that Jacob uh, Phillips was what we thought he was uh, so on and so forth in, in, it seems like every risk, you know, every gamble that he took with the run defense in that front seven has just cratered, you know, nothing has gone right. Elliot has not been the player we hoped that he would be Togi. I, is getting blown off the line. I had one particular play. You may remember it. Uh, uh, I'll just describe it, but it was just a simple run up the middle, right? The it, handoff to uh, Jeff Wilson, I think is his name, uh, the, run, the Miami running back. He got two or three yards past the line of scrimmage before he had to decide what to do what cut to make, what direction to make. He just ran three yards up the line of scrimmage. The defensive tackles were in front of him. Then he could figure out which hole he wanted to hit. And I haven't seen much of anything like that in professional football, you know, since I've been watching. Uh, it, it's just kind of sad. To, and It's hard to say, you know, you see him play against, you know, Joe Mixon and they bottled him up and, you know, sometimes you think, okay, they got it figured out. And then, then you see the Falcons game when they're not known for having a great offensive line and they certainly had a practice squad running back and then the, the Chargers did what they did and then the Dolphins did what they did. And, and it's just a head scratcher, but I agree with you that they miscalculated. And that's the one area that Andrew Barry is just, he's taken a defensive tackle three years in a row but it doesn't look like he has anything to show for him, you know, third and fourth round picks, you know, like you said, Elliot, even miles Garrett said they expected him to have a breakout mm -hmm. year. And, uh, 
and then you had Togiai, and then you had Winfrey, and they're all ranked about the worst in the pro football focus defensive tackle rankings. And so, I, you know, he had Sheldon Richardson under contract, didn't want to pay him $11 million, so they let him walk. But why in the world with the money you have, wouldn't you have tried to get one of these veteran defensive tackle one-year, you know, stopgap? I've even seen throughout the year, same way with defensive ends, like Jason Pierre-Paul, Melvin Ingram, um, you know, these guys get picked up. Nobody wants them. They get picked up like at the end of training camp from one-year deals, and some of them even into the season, and they make plays and they help their team, you know? And I'm, mm-hmm. I just don't know why that would have hurt you if you're signing a guy on a one-year deal that he, he comes off your books anyway you know, especially when you're throwing out there what you have, you know, right now. So it's, you know, they're going to live and die with what they did. And right now they've, they've died with it. They sure have. Uh, just a quick shout out to Red Leader and E. Gillen for gifting some subs. Thank you guys very, very much. Uh, that's how we subsidize the program and rationalize all the effort that we put into, into doing these shows other than just, you know, sure enjoying talking football for an hour. Uh, let's follow up with some questions from the chat uh, on the subject of defense. First question, they, they pill, picked up this uh, undrafted rookie from Nebraska off the Miami practice squad, a little bit of revenge after what Miami did to us last Sunday. Um, name is Ben Still or Ben Stilly, I don't know. Um, but, uh, you know, he, he, he has some, again, according to the analytics, some really nice – athletic traits he's done okay in the limited snaps he had uh do you think that they rush him into play or do you think they give him a week or two and see what they got i don't know it's hard to say um i don't i don't think it can hurt i mean last week they brought rod perry up i mean i don't know if you simplify you know in your position say okay just eat up a couple blockers in front of you um Mm -hmm that would be better than than letting them blow you off the ball. If he's a guy that can at least hold his ground or, right. or plug up a little on the inside, that would help. So I would think in that position, you don't have to know, you know, a great deal of the playbook, but who knows? I thought they signed that Tyler Davison to, to immediately play and he never even got on the field. He got signed no. by the chargers. So it's it's anybody's guess, you know what they'll do with him, but um, you just you just would like to see a much more competitive, you know, when a team can just run at will. Like the Dolphins, we all know they could pass, but they decide, you know, unless we really have to, we're not going to. We're just gonna just keep. And why wouldn't you when you're running six seven yards of play? So, you know, it saves everybody's wear and tear and. And it's going to, you're just going to get it over and over until you come up with an answer to it. Right, right. Well, Paul wants to talk about uh, the defensive coaching situation. He says he expects that Woods has gone in the offseason, which is probably a pretty reasonable bet right now. Uh, do you, uh, and if you do, do you think he'll be gone? And if you do, do you think it'll be a complete teardown, all the position coaches, et cetera, or more surgical? maybe promoting from within or something like that? That's a good question. I mean, I don't know if anybody knows. I think a lot, you know, will, I mean, it's been exposed, you know, and so you got eight games to turn it around and I don't know what really you can do. You got the same personnel, so you can't really, you know, shake up a whole lot. Um, That's the most disappointing thing. It's obvious but last year we talked about the offense cost them the whole season, the playoffs, because they were only scoring 20 a game. And if they mm-hmm. could just get it up to 24, 25, the defense was good enough. It's the Browns are scoring 24 a game with Jacoby Brissett. And yet the defense is giving up 26.4 a game, you know, and I didn't see that coming. You know, you look at the defense, who do you build around? Do you, do you just bring back Garrett and, JOK and Denzel Ward, Newsome, maybe Delpit. They could they could maybe only bring five starters back and tear it down. Go get mm-hmm. go get a bunch more. I don't know, but you don't have first round picks. 
That's why, you know, the second, the end of the season with, with um, Watson to me is so important for free agency, because if you could, you know, even if you're three and eight, when he comes back, if you could win five out of six or four out of six and finish with a bang, even when your last three or four, I think then you could sell. Look, we now have, look what happens when we have our quarterback. We just need a couple of you studs to come in here and help our defense play with Garrett and so forth. And I think, I think that could be a great selling point, but if you go out and go two and four, three and three, it's going to be a tougher sell. So that's why I think it's so important down the stretch. Can they do it? I don't know, but um, <clears throat> I don't know what you do with Woods. I mean, you've got three years. It depends on whose call it is. I think at this point, Jimmy Haslam would say, we're getting a new defensive coordinator, mm-hmm. but then, then you run the risk. Does Stefanski, if they stay with him, does he say, no, we're going to keep the same scheme, like a 4-3, because we always – it used to always be, oh, the next guy's a 3-4, and then we got to get rid of all the players and because they're not a 3-4 guy, you know, and and uh, that whole thing. I think they would – if it's Stefanski, I think they'd stay with the same scheme, but I think it would probably be outside. I don't see anybody on the staff that I feel like – if they felt like they had a guy right now, they'd, they'd put him in and make the move now to kind of be a wake-up call to the coaches and the players. But so far, it's just same old, same old. Right. Stay the course. One of, one of the things that surprises me, there's there a comment, I think it was Superfly Rob, so you can't promote from within because, you know, everybody's been poorly coached. At the same time, um, I read analyses. I read people write about the Browns assistant defensive coaches, guys like Jason Tarver. And it's, it's a lot of it's glowing, you know, these guys are well considered within the NFL, you know, they're highly considered and all that, but the results just haven't been there. And I don't know if it is like a lot of people are saying it's a cover three scheme and all this sort of stuff. Uh, We can dive into that in future weeks, of course, you know, if the, uh, if the present situation continues, and continue to try to analyze this, but uh, um, it's it's a question about how all this talent and supposed coaching ability uh, can get the results that we are currently seeing right now. Uh, OG Philly says, you know, how did Tyler Davidson never get a chance to play here? I'm sure he's not great, but his strength is in run defense. He was never given a chance. You can't convince me that someone who has started in the league a lot of games isn't better than Togiak. And, uh, you know, I feel the same way. He must have been horrible in practice or something. I, I don't know what the issue was, but he got snatched off the practice squad. So, uh, I guess it's a moot point now. Uh, chat username, another sort of a general question. Um, if you had to assign blame to players or coaches or whatever, you know, do you put a percentage on that? Or in general, do you think it can be improved by the year's end? Do you think that these guys could be that the coaching can turn around and some of these players can turn around. You know, it's such a fine line. I mean, what, what, what separated last year, you know, after they got blown out by the Patriots at 45 to seven game, they really played well the rest of the year. They were holding teams to like 16 points. Was that because the team they were playing was so bad? Their quarterback was bad or was it the defense started to come around? I think it's a little bit of both. But you haven't seen it. You thought you had the same progression, you know, prior to the Dolphins game. And then you go right back to square one, you feel like, after that game. So now you got eight games. What are you going to do? Are you going to continually get blown off the ball and blown out? Or are you going to rise up and and play well? I saw the majority of these same players play play well last year. And I've seen I've seen them play well this year. You know, that Bengals game, I, I I think the defense played very well. And the Bengals have some good players, and they have a good offense. Mm-hmm. So how can you say, you know, holding Joe Mixon to 30 yards is is not getting it done, you know? I, right. So where do, you, where do you, you know, I think part of it's the scheme. I think mm-hmm. part of it is just the players the motivation or whatever, the want to. I, I say that they have it in them. 
It's just, do they want it? Do they want it so bad? I mean, they're talking about staying in contention before the Dolphins game. So when Watson got back, they had a chance. You thought they'd be motivated to go out there and and play well and do that. And so you saw what you saw. So I think we'll see a lot of their pride. You know, they might just not be good enough to stay with the Bills, you know, for sure this week. Mm-hmm. But, right. you know, we're going to see the effort and see see really what type of guys there are. And so I do think that a lot of it will depend on how the rest of the year goes. If they just give up, you know, that's an indictment on the on the players, but mostly on the coaches, you know. To my to the guys I've talked to, they don't they haven't, you know, lost the locker room as far as Stefanski and and Woods. They say the right things, but they're not playing mm. like it. Yeah. You know, you have to prove it out in the field. Here's uh El Chaotic uh with his question. We don't feel any fight in this defense. Who's the leader on the field? Walker missing is big. I agree with that. And you know, it sort of goes to Miles Garrett a little bit here. Miles has just has not had that sort of he talks about running through walls, but you don't get the feeling that, you know, he's got the rest of the team surrounding him on the sidelines as he pumps them up. You know, he's just not that kind of dude. So uh, who is that dude on this team? Is there anybody like that that you can think of, Fred? No, I think it's a problem is the lack of leadership. I mean, Garrett is a is a leader in his own right, but he's a reluctant leader. He's a quiet, you know, you can see from his rookie year, you know, he isn't a typical overall number one pick, kind of like a Courtney Brown, you know. Now he's a little more outgoing than Courtney Brown was, but he just, he's more of a leader by example, but he is talking and saying things, you know, more out of, obligation because or default there's really nobody else look go up and down this lineup you know Clowney's not that type of guy um jok certainly isn't he has the potential maybe but he's just too young or you mm-hmm. know doesn't feel like it's his place or hasn't Deion jones is a new guy they're putting him out there um denzel ward That's certainly just- John Johnson is the most talkative and yeah. most, but his play hasn't really backed it up. And he got called right. out a little bit for talking about leadership. So I agree with that aspect. You know, I think Deshaun Watson is going to be the leader of the team, not just because he's the quarterback, but, but because there is a vacuum overall. And I think they, he will rally the entire team. Um, because of his football playing ability and just, you know, kind of like how Lamar Jackson does it with, with the Ravens, even though he's not the most outspoken type guy either, but he's their leader. And so, but on defense, yeah, I think Walker, you know, is it, they're missing him on the field, that intangible. But again, I think that's a miss by Andrew Barry to devalue him because they didn't try to resign him as a free agent before he left. Right. And maybe they knew that nobody else wanted him, but to get a guy to come back on a one-year deal kind of says, okay, he didn't have any other place to go. So he was your leadership. And when you lost him on the defense, you really didn't have anything. Right. Right. Uh, question from super surge. He says, Callan Callahan does such a great job at the O-line. Can he coach the D-line too? Uh, e. Gillen pointed out that Jack Conklin, on that offensive line had a lot of trouble uh, last weekend, but Calhoun does a great job with the youth. That's certainly true. You know, look what he's done with Teller and uh, he's working with Jedrick Wills and so on and so forth. Um, Kiffin, I would think would be a guy who would be receiving some negative attention these days because of the play of the interior defensive line. Uh, But uh, you know, I think Browns fans and the media were all over the place trying to figure out, what the heck is wrong? Uh, you know, so I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't think he can coach the D line, but uh, uh, once again, you have this situation where you've got a bunch of coaches who are considered highly and the results just aren't matching it. Let's talk about something else, Fred, just for a minute. 
we're in the midst of another horrible um, Brown season. Uh, as you know, uh, you know, we've been through a lot of these and about this point in the, in, in, in the path of a horrible season, we start hearing things in forums or on social media or things like that about, oh, well, you know, these players aren't serious. You know, this player or that player was uh, down on West 4th Street until, uh, uh, you know, or, or East 4th Street until uh, 2 o'clock in the morning partying it up and all that sort of stuff. Um, I can understand the frustration on the part of Browns fans, but th- does this ever come up in Berea? People saying, you know, well, you know, your guys seem to be out having a great time, you know, uh, in the evening, or is it just not not talked about at all? I haven't really heard it. It hasn't been brought up in media sessions or anything like that. I'll mm-hmm. hear once in a while a reporter mention something they – you know, hurt or whatever, but I don't know. Coaches, you would think would be aware of it, but seem to have a little kind of lax. I know they have a leadership council that has a representative from each member of a position group. I don't mm-hmm. know if any of those guys are those that are out and about that you're talking about. That would be a problem, but right. I don't know if that would be where they would address it or or whatever, but it's just, uh, you know, it's like, I keep, I keep coming back to, you know, NFL, there's so much money and I know you got to pay these guys, but sometimes it's almost, you just need hungry players that really Mm -hmm. are trying to get there. It seems like the Browns get the guys, you know, like, you know, I'll just throw Austin Hooper that just want to get that big payday. And then they're, they're done. You know, he didn't do anything here. He got his big, you know, and there's, we've seen that Dwayne Bow and, you know, yeah. on and on and on Scott Fujita, they were here come to get their big payday and you never. And so I don't know. I don't know if it's just preservation of, of my body now that I'm set for life and I don't, I'm not hungry anymore. And it just seems like you got to have some stars, but, Mm-hmm. I'd almost rather have hungry guys trying to get the big payday and let them go somewhere else if, you know, and get the next guy that's hungry for the payday, you know? And right. it just seems like we get the guys to give the payday to, and then they don't play anymore. Well, um, my, my approach to life is not improved by the mention of Dwayne Bow. <laughs> just, Oh, that hurts. That hurts. That was such a, Oh, Oh, I'm sorry. Bad radio for me to sit here moaning about a guy who played eight years ago or however long it was. But, uh, yeah, I understand completely. Um, you know, a, a lot of this stuff is just rumor. You know, it could be just people making crap up. You don't know. You don't know. Um, let's talk a little bit about Miles Garrett again. Um, Miles, after the game, made a comment, something about, you know, we're ready to run through a wall, but we need to know which direction something along those lines. I'm just paraphrasing probably badly. Um, did Miles ever explain what he meant by that? Uh, I think he's talked to the media or did he back off those comments or anything like that? I believe that was after the game with the Dolphins. Um, mm-hmm. I wasn't there. Um, he hasn't spoken since. Uh, he speaks on Fridays usually. I think he was referenced that in the context, the question was about, and before the Bengals game, they talked about being ready to run through a wall and they were ready to go and that energy and so forth. So I think his question when he said that was referring more to just wanting to run through the wall, but maybe not pointed in the right direction of the wall. I don't know. <laughs> but no, I, I don't. I haven't heard anymore. I, I wasn't there. So just reading it on paper just didn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but he was referring to a comment made prior to the Bengals or at the Bengals game when they obviously were ready to play that night. And Mm -hmm. why weren't they for the dolphins? It was a good question, but I don't know. It seemed like he was kind of deflecting in another direction that 
not everybody was on the same page or something. Right. One one type of speculation you talked a little bit earlier about the the Browns' need to um, churn a bit of the defensive roster after the season. They need to replace some guys uh, quite clearly. Um, but they have a very few assets to do it, right? And uh, they don't have a lot of draft picks. Uh, they haven't shown themselves able to really find gems, you know, particularly in the defensive interior in the in the mid rounds of the draft. So there's been some speculation out there, not speculation, uh, just sort of guessing and fantasies, I would call them, about whether the Browns could trade a Miles Garrett or trade a Denzel Ward and, you know, get a whole bunch of draft picks and rebuild that way, right? Kind of like the Dolphins got so much uh, from uh, uh, dealing off, you know, some of their players and were able to get back into the contention relatively quickly. Um, Do you think, you know, it's a question from ATI from Browns fan 44035. He says, how likely could we fetch significant trade compensation for Ward as we need to overhaul the defense with limited assets. And I would just think, man, I don't think you get that much for uh, Denzel Ward at this point in time. What about you, Fred? Well, I don't either. You know, the contract goes with them. So somebody immediately, you know, if they're going to take on $100 million, they're not going to give up much. It's more like, hey, we'll take him for, because we're going to pay, you know, we have to pay him, you know, those type of things. So, no, I, I think free agencies there are trades are there, you know, you, you know, that's, what's so unequal. You, you make a trade for Amari Cooper. There's an example because mm-hmm. of his $20 million, the Browns got a, for a fifth round pick. I mean, right. I do that all day. You know, they need to do more of those trades, you know, and get guys on defense like that. So, no, I think they know they're in a window with their quarterback and everything next year. They got to get mm-hmm. this defense fixed. I think that's the silver lining, you know, that when all things said and done, you know, and I put on my glasses to show you the optimism here <laughs> is that the last six games, Deshaun Watson is not, you know, Superman, but I, if, if the NFL wouldn't have set them up to fail this year, I mean, 11 games is ridiculous. You might as well just give them the whole season. But again, they didn't because they wanted this to count as one of his years of his five-year contract. So now he's only got mm-hmm. four years left instead of five years left. With that said, right. he's got six games, enough to qualify for the year. They've lost six games. They're three and six. Does anybody here in the four games they've lost by three points or less think they wouldn't have scored at least a field goal more with him at quarterback? You know, right. they two of those four games, you're five and four. Even with this terrible defense, you're five and four in first place or right there. And so they can outscore teams. But the the bright side here is that the defense has been exposed and now they know they have to really address it and overhaul it. If you win 40 to 38, but you win, you don't worry about the defense, but it's still bad, right? But because you keep losing, it's obviously in the forefront. So here's the problem with that is it's not glossed over now. So you know you got to address the defense. I said the last six games could get Deshaun Watson, can get himself established. But if those last games, if he shows and this team starts putting up 40 points or better, mm-hmm. you know, that you head in the offseason with all the momentum, similar to Bernie Kosar's rookie year. That team wasn't the greatest. They were eight and eight. They backed into the playoffs, but everybody knew they were on their way. And what three of the next four years went to the AFC championship. You right. want these last six games. That's why I'm saying you have a lot to play for, for the future, for the off season. So you can bring in some free agents, make some trades, get everybody sold. Now that's all behind you. And you're heading into 2023 on a high. So that's it. That's my positive thought for the night. And Hey, <laughs> there you go. Well, thank you for uh, helping us end the show on such a positive note. This was very cathartic for me. I got a chance to uh, 
<laughs> got a chance to rant a little bit, and uh, I think we all needed that. Uh, thanks, everybody, in the chat for your questions. As always, uh, really appreciated your comments. Uh, keep me laughing throughout the show. Uh, really appreciate it. Fred, as always, thanks for your wisdom and your optimism, my friend. Uh, I do appreciate it. It's fun just to talk in football with you for an hour every Wednesday. And uh, I think that'll do it. I think we'll wrap up at this point and uh, hope that everybody has a great Thanksgiving, great great and safe holiday weekend. And we will be back here on uh, November 30th and uh, getting closer and closer to that date that we finally see Deshaun Watson in a Cleveland Browns uniform take the field. Good night, everybody. Appreciate you joining. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Thank you. See you. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs>